Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let me tell you about BetDSI, who are our partners, our sponsors of this esteemed show that you're listening to. And we're very thankful that they are, essentially they're a betting company. You can bet online with them. You can sign up. You can use the app. You can use your computer to do so. The NFL season is obviously over. The college football season is over. Congratulations to LSU and to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. But basketball is ongoing. The NBA is ongoing. March Madness is just around the corner. The NFL Combine is 20 days away. There's a world title fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury uh, in, what, 15 days' time. You can bet on all of those things with BetDSI. If you use the code YARDS101, that's YARDS101, you'll get a special discount. you get all sorts of stuff. They've got a great mobile interface. All you need to know on betdsi.com. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and welcome to the season finale of Three Yards Per Carry. We will not be on next week, but then we will return with season three and what should be a pretty interesting offseason. Of course, I'm Alfredo Arteaga. I have Simon Clancy here with me. I have Chris Kaufman here with me, who is fresh off of a great Super Bowl. How are you doing, Chris? Did I'm you play, tired. Chris? Yes, I did. I'm very tired. The way, the way Alf queued in made it look like you played. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I had a full game. I had well, a full it, game of uh, sitting and um, – well, had, what had position he, did you play? Twitter. <laughs> well, had he met Patrick Mahomes, he would have been sweating. He would have looked, you know. I did meet. Again. I did meet Patrick Mahomes. Oh wow! And I was sweaty. How did that go? Oh, it went wonderful. It was everything I dreamed it could be. <laughs> well, I guess you could. We could start there. So, how did you enjoy your week? How was the experience on Sunday? Well, you know, it's it's great because you guys. I tease you guys all the time for you guys having you know your your nfc teams the uh the green bay packers for simon and and the dallas cowboys for alf and uh i guess the chiefs are my afc team <laughs> um not really but well maybe i don't um so patrick mahomes is definitely my favorite player and the chiefs i i really like them so uh so it was it was cool to see them win i I wanted them to win i wasn't trying to hide it um i wasn't trying to be objective there uh but i thought that the 49ers would be a really a really nice matchup for them and an interesting matchup for the game i was was tweeting about this i thought that what would happen is the chiefs would 
I mean, cause this is, this is not news. <laughs> They've been down in every playoff game so far. Right. Yeah. Um, so for a while it, it might not, it look, might not look pretty uh, for the chiefs, but if the game lengthens to any degree, like you look up the clock and you're like, wow, there's still, you know, there's still nine minutes left to play or something like that. Then that favors the chiefs. Uh, the game being too long, uh, to 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 go on and, and put them away and uh, and that's exactly what happened the san francisco 49ers could not put them away um no. they were doing a great job shortening the, the game a really great job shortening the game on offense uh for three plus quarters um i think they had five drives discounting not counting the um the one minute drive into the end of the half which you know you can't run out the clock there um, but the other five drives took up between four and five minutes each, you know. Um, they, so they they were doing the they were doing the job of shortening the game, playing exactly the game that they wanted in order to beat the Chiefs. And then they screwed the pooch. They they stopped being able to to sustain that offense. They I think Shanahan might have gotten just a tad bit more aggressive at points because of the 28-3 debacle. Um, you know, 10 points is not enough. So he, he's like, okay, everybody's expecting me to try and keep shortening the game. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for some scores here. But they couldn't execute. And uh, so when they got that ball back after the uh, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, the second interception, with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter, um, if they had Simon, you even said in WhatsApp chat, you know, this, here comes a seven minute drive, <laughs> you know, um, taking the score and going for the score and putting the game away, taking seven minutes off the clock. Well, if they'd done that, then they'd, they'd be the winners, but they only had the ball two minutes. And, uh, so then they gave the ball back to Mahomes with nine minutes left in the game, uh, needing only a touchdown and a field goal. And that was it. Uh, he, he took him down the field twice and and got the touchdowns on uh, two drives and then of course Damian Williams capped it all off with a I mean that should have just been a run the ball out time kind of thing but it popped open and he got the long touchdown but it was it was it was a really fun experience um we had great seats uh, covering it in the media on the tables in the end zone so we could see like the back view and the front view of all the plays and see exactly what was happening and um and we got some great interviews. I got to sit in the uh, the press conference of Mahomes and Andy Reid, um, yeah, after the game, and that was really that was really fun. So. Simon, what did you make of this game? Um, I thought that probably the 49ers lost it as much as the Chiefs won it. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be twenty to ten up, you know, with what nine minutes left. Um, and to essentially blow the game by going away from pretty much everything that you've built throughout the season. You know, they, they, that, that drive where they got the ball back, even at 2017 down, um, mm. and they were backed up at the back of their own 10-yard line, and then most of it runs up, picks up like 14, 15 yards on the first down. Then Garoppolo hits Kendrick Bourne for a first down. Um, and they get up almost towards midfield. Then most of it runs again, it's second and five. You know, you would have thought that just bleed. You know, let's run Mostert, let's run Breeder, let's run 
um, Tevin Coleman. Let's get Debo Samuel back running those little uh, jet screens and, and sweeps and things. Mm-hmm. Um, they threw they, they threw the ball twice on second of second five, third and five, forced to punt. And you just thought, what a terrible, terrible mistake. What what was Carl Shanahan thinking? The one thing that, you know, I mean, Raheem Mostert didn't even touch the ball till midway through the second quarter. He ran for 221 yards against the Packers in the NFC Championship game. I mean, that to me was just mind-blowing. Um, I think Brida only had one snap, period. Yeah, he? he did. Like he had like one that. snap, played, played every special team snap, had one snapper, you know. I just thought that was... Just, I just couldn't understand it at all. And, you know, we talked about it on the pod last week, but, you know, you do not want to be in a situation where Jimmy Garoppolo's arm has to win the game. And he still mm-hmm. had the opportunity with, the, with the, the deep ball to Emmanuel Sanders, who had Absolutely. a yard and a half, and sure. he missed it. Um, and they, set I, that, I, I just, they set that up. They set that up on that entire drive. Then they run a sluggo, and it pops. And there's no other way to say it, but Jimmy Garoppolo missed the throw that would have won the Super Bowl for the 49ers. Mm. I mean, they were it's, it's a tough well. throw to be to be fair, yeah. right? Yes, it's, it's a low percentage throw on going that deep, but yeah, he's, you, but you make or it. miss. You make he's or going. miss, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, you know, you look at the way that the Chiefs' defensive line. You know, I thought they played really. Chris Jones played really well. I thought Derek Nandy was superb. They set the edge really well. I thought Reggie Ragland mm-hmm. was playing well. You know, all those run fit blitzes and stuff that he was doing. Obviously, they were mixing up. You know Matthew and and Sorensen close to the line on occasion. Steve Spagnuolo dialed up a few blitzes and stuff, but just run, just keep running the ball. Just that, it's what got you there. I just did. I just found it stunning, and it was interesting. You could tell that Aaron Andrews. You probably didn't see it, Chris, but Aaron Andrews interviewed Carl Shanahan uh, almost immediately afterwards, and you could tell that she was itching to say. Dude, why did you mm. not just keep running it? And you know, yeah. I mean, she she mm. sort of asked. I mean, he was clearly devastated, and she sort of hemmed and hauled her way around the question. In that, you know, what was your thinking with, you know, what was your offensive mindset with, you know, having run the ball so well with five minutes to go? It was kind of just saying that, Carl, come on, own up. You just blew it. But I, I was just amazed. I mean, it, you know, look, it was a it was a fun game. It was a good game. Um, it was a great call by Mahomes on that third and fifteen completion uh, to Tyreek Hill down the field, um, and they set it up earlier in the game, um, and they essentially because they wanted to come back to it later, and they'd set it up and seen that Jimmy Ward bit on on, on uh, Tyreek because Hill originally ran a comeback on that, and, and Ward bit mm-hmm. on the comeback, um, and that was the setup from earlier in the game. Mahomes said he wanted to go back to it, and you could see Jimmy Ward cheating up, thinking that Hill was going to cut. Come, come back to Mahomes, and he cuts left, and uh, and that's what popped it open. So, uh, a good game, but I I kind of feel like the Forty Nine ers blew it a little bit. Yeah, I felt that the Forty Nine ers for three quarters they had Patrick Mahomes essentially having a bad game because he had he had two bad picks in my estimation. And Worst game of his career, I think. Yeah, and then he fumbled at the five yard line. Now, of yeah, course, he, the, the, the fumble is something that yeah, yeah. <laughs> people forget about. Okay, he had so, two, right? I mean, Nick Nick Bosa yes. knocked one out of his hands. And right? he recovered, yeah, but uh, is that fair, the one you're talking about? Yeah, uh, well, no, I'm talking about the one that he was sliding at the five yard line. He got hit, right? Right. He ran, he ran, and then fumbled it out of bounds, and okay, it turned into a drive, fourth and one. That drive ended up in a touchdown, right? So mm-hmm. that could have been Ward's pick was horrendous. Yeah. Okay. You know what? And, and actually, about that pick, because Patrick was asked to take us through the interceptions. And he had really, he, I mean, he's a very thoughtful guy. He's, he will explain everything. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's interesting to hear him talking about that pick. You know, he's, he's scrambling out on that pick, something that he likes to do, and you've seen him do it like several times. When he's scrambling out and somebody's going out there to set the edge on him to try to take the edge away, um, he, locks, he, he locks onto a defender with his eyes and he because he's playing them. Like he's playing them with his eyes and his feet while he's scrambling out, and he's getting them to go, come with him, right? And then what he likes to do is stop short, like cross grain, you know, stop real short, and then throw it back against the grain a little bit and the linebacker usually just goes blowing by right so he tried to do that to fred warner and he was like as i was releasing it i saw that fred reacted to me immediately and sat exactly when i sat and he just you know he was like i knew it as i was releasing the balls like this was awful he got me (laughs) you know and and it was basically like he's trying to execute a, a crossover on him or something and he just you know, he just didn't buy it. And, and it was, uh, you know, good on Fred Warner. I think it was a really good play. Um, this is something that Patrick Mahomes does uh, in the NFL. He did it a lot in college when he would get in trouble in college. This is, this is how, you know, trying to play somebody. And uh, he did it. And Fred, you know, kudos to Fred. But he used to be a defensive back for a reason. Yeah, I think that, that yeah, the pick is obviously on Patrick Mahomes. But I don't think that Tyreek Hill did him any favors on that. On that route. On the it's second a, one. Yes. On the second one, well, it's a little bit behind him, and that thing, I think, is coming a little bit hot. So it's mm-hmm. understandable that he pops it up in the air. But mm-hmm. that, I'm talking about that first one. The first one, Tyreek Hill, I think, uh, he has to give him a lane to throw to. And he mm-hmm. has to understand. He has to be watching Fred Warner since he, he ran past him, <laughs> you know? So he has to be a mm-hmm. little bit – he has to be kind of aware of where he is on the field. But uh, – Simon, you, you, you alluded to it earlier, Kyle Shanahan, you know, keep running it. But do you think that defensively, maybe that cover three and just sticking to it? Because what I'm getting to is this. Patrick Mahomes was not good through three quarters. He had the two, the, the two interceptions, the two fumbles, one that he could have lost, which was at the five-yard line, which could have been catastrophic. But all of a sudden, come the fourth quarter, I think I believe he was eleven of fourteen for over 150 mm-hmm. yards and two oh. touchdowns. It sure seems like he figured out that cover three. Was it time to, you know, start doing something differently? I, I thought Robert Salah called an amazing game, and, and actually, I, I really only questioned the one call, which was the first play after the long pass to Tyreek Kill on third and fifteen, which was the end zone shot to Travis Kelsey. That that mm-hmm. matchup of Kelsey against the the backup safety, I just thought that was. Uh, that was a win for um, that was a win for Andy Reid and for Eric Bieniemy and a, and a loss for Salah, who generally I thought called an outstanding game. I just want to touch actually upon the two best. You know, I know Mahomes won MVP, and I know that Damian Williams had a great game, but Nick Bosa I thought was phenomenal. Mm. I mean, absolutely incredible. Uh, yeah, you know, that is that was a big time. You know, in the biggest game of all, that was a big time. He was everywhere. You, you, and actually, mm. you look on the um, you look on the big deep shot, third and fifteen to Tyreek Hill at the end. There, he was being held by Eric Fisher, who just was all over the shot, couldn't couldn't play. Uh, and he still plowed play. into him. He still plowed yeah. into him after he's released the. I, I, if you look on the next gen stats site, they do this thing where they have all the X Y data, and you can play through. It's really neat. But he was only like three or four feet away from Mahomes when he released that ball. Like he was plowing into mm. him. <laughs> And the other guy was Mitch Schwartz, who's the best right tackle in the game, who was absolute, who's been phenomenal in the playoffs. And actually, Bozer only went up against him twice and was was absolutely um, 
shut down, but I thought Mitch Schwartz had an, just an outstanding mm. game um, and underlined why he's sort of a four or five time all pro. You know, that's a guy who's, you know, you talk about Hall of Fame careers that we'll come on to later. That's a guy that, you know, looks like he's, he's, he's ascending towards a Hall of Fame career because, and he was just, just he, you know, he had a Larry, in terms of offensive line play, you go back to Larry Fitzgerald a few years ago. Uh, when he just took over the playoffs, when when Arizona got to the Super Bowl and, and lost to Pittsburgh, uh, and again you look at Fitzgerald again against Green Bay a few with the with the two hail marys that Aaron Rodgers had in them, um, took that game to overtime and, and Fitzgerald won it in OT. I thought Schwartz had a, just a tremendous game. Those two, I mean, never going to win MVP, Mitch Schwartz, but him and Bozer I thought were the elite players in that in that game last night. Yeah, There's actually a point I wanted to make about the second interception, though, because uh, um, Mahomes explained that one, too. And I think that it's a point that's really important to, you know, sort of digest it as you're looking for a quarterback and, and trying to identify which ones you want. If, if Justin Herbert throws that ball, what do you say about it, right? You say, because you're used to seeing him have, like, bad ball placement or throwing the ball late or something like that. And you're just like, well, that that's just another – Another instance of that, right? But Mahomes explained it. He said, you know, what happened is he was – there was a little bit of disruption. I think there was a passing lane threat. So it, the ball didn't come out as quickly into first window as – into the exact window um, that it's intended as it could, as it could have. So he kept with it even though it was a little bit late. But because it was coming a little bit late, he knew that the safety was going to absolutely murder – Tyreek Hill if he didn't sit him down so he tried to sit Tyreek Hill down and that's why the ball was behind him but Tyreek didn't didn't sit instead he he kept going uh he kept going high speed and he tried to make a play on the ball and he did it he did as he should he tried to make a play on the ball and he turned turned around and and got it with his hands but it was it was too hard for him, and it popped up and got the interception. But as you're walking through the explanation, you're realizing that you know he's checking all these boxes positively. The awareness of everything that's happening on the field, you know, the awareness of the passing lanes, trying to sidearm it in there, uh, trying not to get his guy. I mean, we saw Josh Rosen get Alan Hearns murdered, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, trying not to get his guy murdered. Check, check, check. All these things. The awareness and no, it didn't work out. It didn't work out because the you know the players, it was it was just too much. It was a little bit too too hard. But another quarterback, if you're looking at, you can see that exact same throw, that exact same result, and it might be for different reasons, and it would be a reason to say I don't want you, you know. And that's why I think it's important to 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 talk to these guys and to really dissect why the things happen the way they did happen because he is a guy that will be pretty aggressive but that's that's why if he wasn't if he wasn't as aggressive as he was on those two interceptions he wouldn't have been the guy that led them back in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and let you me know? let me say this i was i was rather upset because i had a large bet on damian williams winning the mvp at 20 to 1 and i was upset that he didn't get the mvp but somebody on twitter had a pretty interesting stat, which was from the point that they were down 20 to 10 and to the point where they take the lead 24 to 20, Mahomes threw for almost 160 yards. And Damian Williams had a total of 18 yards. He did have the one touchdown. So Mm -hmm. who really was responsible for winning the game? Who was the most valuable player? 
So oh yeah, I guess a, I'm, and, not, and Sully, I'm not too upset. You're right. You're right about Sully. It's put that way, you know. You're right about Sully. Sully, you know, I, I respect the game he called, but at the same time, he didn't mix it up. He didn't mix up the coverage. He mixed up. I thought he mixed up the looks, um, but he didn't necessarily mix up the coverage. And and that was what ended up talking to Eric Bieniemy after the game. Um, you know, you get you asked the what was the turning point for all these guys, and everybody kind of has a different uh, a different. Uh, point I think Patrick Mahomes pointed to, to that 44 or whatever the Tyreek Hill play on third and 15. Mm-hmm. Um, the said that actually when they started to go a little hurry up he, what he noticed is that that's when things really changed for them turned around for them offensively and the re- reason that did I think is because of the pass rush because Nick Bosa was unstoppable <laughs> yes. in that game and and but when you start to go hurry up you take the edge off of the pass rush i mean that's what's what, that's what happens that, what's interesting about that is that i sent you a, a stat uh, right before the game like an hour before the game in case you wanted to tweet it out on the three way pc account or on your account and it was about the chiefs going hurry up they were the worst team as far as production wise going hurry up and they also ran mm-hmm. it. The few, they did it the the fewest amount of times. They only ran 13 snaps all year in hurry up offense. Gained a total of 76 yards, no touchdowns. That was and it worse won the game. across the board. It, and it won them the game. Yes, like going did. hurry up. It it, yes, it, it changed did. the dynamic. It changed the pass rush dynamic. It was it wasn't just about because I think I think Patrick Mahomes knew exactly what the coverage was. It it was executing you you just have to be able to execute and he had the rush in his face the the entire game I think in the fourth quarter just enough came off of the pass rush even though Nick Bosa was still having a hell of a a game you know he went from getting there to you know pressuring and not quite getting there or being handleable um you know because Patrick Mahomes could all can make a miss now there were some near misses that Bosa where he's like he's reaching out for his hand and then Mahomes isn't there anymore you know and and I think that that's in some other points of the game it, it wasn't a near miss and um and I think that 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 ended up it loosened things up just enough the game just went on too long if you if you try and play that offense for 60 minutes it's really hard yes it because is. <laughs> they're just so it's elite impossible. at a lot of things yeah now Simon let me ask you ask you this uh, here in the States, the media, of course, they do this after every big game, after the NBA Finals, after the Super Bowl, after the World Series. They got to find a loser. They got to find somebody to blame. And the mm. guy who's taking it today is Kyle Shanahan. And not only is he taking it for, yeah, okay, he's been outscored 1,456 to nothing in the fourth quarter in the last two Super Bowls that he's been involved with. But right before the half, and it's been mm. unanimous. I haven't seen anybody defend it. Can you defend it? No, mm. I mean, I, I thought it was a pretty. You can't use timeouts in um, you can't use timeout timeouts in um in the locker room, uh, and and to get the ball back at the position they did essentially just told me that he didn't trust um yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo to try that's and drive down the field. Says. I mean, that's that to me is exactly what it said. I mean, he um. You know, you had a minute, was it a minute six or a minute nine and three timeouts? You had the ball at the 25 yard line and, you know, even three points. You know, you could have, and running the ball was not off the table at that point either. But um, mm-hmm. I just don't think he trusted him in case, you know, they got a pick and a turnover and 
uh, and Casey um, yeah, and Casey managed to score again, which they had the propensity to to do even you know with a short amount of time. I thought what was very telling was the Fox cut to the shot of John Lynch in the in the box, and he yeah, was mim- he was miming that yeah he was calling for a timeout and looked you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Upset that that Shanahan wasn't calling one. I, I thought that was a a big mistake. And you know, look, nobody talks about it if they if they win. But I think that's just an error that then gets compounded by the fact that they you know they went away from what they did best in the in the fourth quarter. Yeah. What Does I, this game change your mind about Garoppolo though? Because hmm. I mean, a lot of people are. That's this to me. This is the hot take I'm seeing today. Right? Is yeah. As Garoppolo, like I think people have this perception, this perceived you know sense. That is sort of like I think of it as like the Olympics. And you're watching, you know, gymnastics or whatever. You know how you put together the elements in, in your program, and and you have um, the judges' score. It can only be out of a certain score. It can't be out of ten because you you either have enough difficult elements in there or not. I think people have a sense that there weren't very many difficult elements in Jimmy Garoppolo's program in that game. And that when they did ask him for those more difficult things, he couldn't do them. And I think that's the um, that's the the perception that people are walking away from. And I know at one point when we were talking about like he's having a good game. If if they win, he might get the MVP. Mm-hmm. Does this change things for Jimmy? I mean, he just he couldn't he couldn't execute the harder things in this game. And and obviously there was a trust issue. Yeah, I think what changes it is the the trust uh, is what you say the trust issue, and I think it was evident in Kyle, uh, Kyle Shanahan's answer when he's asked about the first half. What did he go to? He didn't try to explain it away via play calling. He said we couldn't go three and out there and hand them the ball with that quarterback and three timeouts. So I, that tells me he wasn't even thinking about getting a first down. He was thinking about oh my god, we're gonna go three and out here. Like really? The, That's how you're coaching. Flip- the flip side to that, though, is that they're 20 to 10 up with seven minutes to go. Yeah. Mm. You know, and if they do what we said at the top, which was continue to do what they've done all season, essentially, which is pound the ball and pound that Chiefs defense, and a tiring Chiefs defense into dust, Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo probably wins MVP unless, mm-hmm. you know, most of breaks a big one or Debo Samuel breaks a big But Jimmy probably wins MVP. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. we're saying, fucking hell, another Patriots quarterback won a, won a Super Bowl and... You know, mm-hmm. didn't he just didn't he just manage that game perfectly? Um, but would that be actually, would that be a hollow MVP if, if he wasn't really asked to do much difficult during the game? You know, would that would that have been a hollow MVP? At, you know, well, one that's meaningful okay. as you go forward. Okay, so he might not have been MVP, but you'd have said, you know, what he managed the game perfectly. I think he, you know, yeah. I think he was he didn't have a lot of incompletions up until those final two drives. Um, mm-hmm. I think he only had three incompletions up until the final. Yeah, two it, was, it was yeah. it was pretty good. He played he played pretty well. He played mm-hmm. uh, until until the moment that he didn't, and the reason he didn't was because all of a sudden, all that emphasis is foisted upon him to to then deliver. And you know, I, I think he's a deliverer to a degree. But look, look around the NFL. There's not many guys. You know, even historically, there's not many guys who can do what Patrick Mahomes does. There's not many guys that can do what Aaron Rodgers. There's not. There's not many. There's not many Russell Wilsons. There's not many people that can put a team, a game, a season on their shoulders and carry, carry an entire organization across the line. You know, you pick, you could pick 25 quarterbacks who were in Pat Mahomes' situation this day who wouldn't have pulled that off. And that's no right. disrespect to those 25. It's just that the guys that I mentioned, 
they're just a little bit special. And maybe we should just take a step back and say, you know what, it's okay not to be special. Yes. You know, there's only very few of those guys out there, the Marinos, the Bradys, the Paytons, you know, the, the, the Otto Grahams, the Fran Tarkentons, the, those guys that, you know, they're in the Hall of Fame for a reason. That's, it, it, it's, not, it's not embarrassing to, to not be somebody who can't put a team on their shoulders and carry them home in the, you know, because not many people can do that. Yeah, and throughout... But the throughout, question is, can you win the championship if you're not? Yeah. Well, it, well, I'm getting to that because throughout Super Bowl history, there's been, there's been these throws, and for lack of a better phrase, sometimes a quarterback just pulls this throw out of his ass like Ben Roethlisberger did to Santonio Holmes. Like the mm-hmm. second time around when the Giants beat the Patriots, the pass down the sideline to Manningham, do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Like that might have been the best pass mm-hmm. Eli Manning has ever thrown in his career. And one of the great catches, of, or one of the great throws and one of the great catches of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it could be Star as simple as... Catch. Oh, that was yeah. the first time around. Yeah, I think, yeah. The, Manningham, I think the Manningham throw is... Because uh, a Tyree throw is just essentially a heave and hope. The, the Manningham yes. throw is an absolutely all-time NFL throw. And the best yes. thing about it is that he catches it right in front of Bill Belichick as well. I mean, literally right in front of him. <laughs> yes. And it could be just, just say, as simple as Jimmy Garoppolo had his moment to pull a pass out of his ass to win the Super Bowl, and he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders when Emmanuel Sanders had about a decent step. I think it's. I think ultimately it's. It's okay not to be as good as uh, as good as uh, uh, as good as Pat Mahomes. And frankly, with better play calling, Jimmy Garoppolo is a Super Bowl champion this morning, and we're not even at this afternoon. We're not even having that Absolutely. this discussion. So, um, I just want a little bit of breaking news here. Um, KJ t- talking about first round quarterbacks next year. We talked about Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and, and Brock Purdy. Um, KJ Costello has gone to where? Hmm. No Stanford idea. quarterback transferred, big guy, big arm, decent talent. Somebody was asking for, me about him. Mississippi State, maybe? He's gone to Mike Leach in Mississippi State. <laughs> now, there, <laughs> now, now, there's a kid who's potentially going to put up some serious numbers. Our pal yeah. Keith, he's a big Mississippi State fan. He, he, he was asking indeed. me about KJ. He was he's asking me about that. KJ Costello uh, I, maybe maybe a week ago. To, then I was like, yeah, I don't know if I've always been a big fan. <laughs> let me put a a question out to to both of you and you know and i guess this is a a macro question okay i remember once dave wanstead got really upset at a press conference when every every beat writer kept asking him about quarterbacks and the passing game and he said guys it's really simple if you could run it and you could stop it you're gonna win a lot of games in this league well, Kansas City was 20th in yards per carry, 23rd in yards rushing per game, 29th in yards per carry given up, and 26th in rushing yards given up per game. They're Super Bowl champions. Is, it, is that over now in the NFL? Is there a new formula? And it's just, you know, go get the quarterback and stop the pass. San Francisco was pretty close for it to be over, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, they were in the game. First off, if you're in the game, then whoever's in the game could have won, right? Um, yeah. That any Because there's an any given Sunday aspect of this. And so if you're in the game, then there's already a proof of concept that whatever blueprint you're working with works well enough to be in the game and, uh, and to, to win it all. And I think that um, we've seen 
in the past, you know, some great defensive teams um, without without great offenses. I'm thinking of like say Baltimore, Tampa Bay, um, when they won the Super Bowls uh, with kind of questionable quarterbacks and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Francisco could have won us, could have won this game. It goes a little bit different. They could have won this game, uh, and then we're talking about how how the uh, the blueprint is back to run the ball, stop the run, and have a um, and have a, a guy who executes. You know, maybe not the most difficult program, but executes at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and now we're having a different conversation. What I will say is that every time the playoffs, I kind of have a way of forgetting this. I think sometimes. But every time I see the playoffs and every time I, I watch the Super Bowl, I get an, an, a new appreciation every single time of, for how insanely these guys are playing in these games. Mm-hmm. The, the level of intensity amps up tremendously in the playoffs and especially in the Super Bowl. Some of these guys are playing out of their minds football, like the quality of football and how completely out of his head he was in this game. Um, and, and that's why I think if we go to this question – can you win the Super Bowl by being this or, you know, and not quite being that? Uh, you're going to have to, you're competing directly against those guys that are playing out of their mind, like Nick Bosa and, um, and like Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Uh, and, and maybe, maybe it takes you having some special ability yourself to really feel comfortable that you're going to overcome that. I don't know. Um, but it's interesting, especially as we're, you know, we're, we're about to pick a quarterback and we, Ethan was very, uh, emphatic that we have to make sure that we're talking about Miami and keep it centered on Miami, but we are about to pick a quarterback. And I think that Tua, for example, is more in the Jimmy Garoppolo mold. Whereas, you know, if you're looking for a Patrick Mahomes, maybe that's Jordan Love or something like that. Uh, I don't, they're not the same. I get it, but um, but it's interesting, you know. Which which one do you go for? Mm-hmm. Well, talking about you know the Super Bowl, something happened the day before the Super Bowl, and that's that Zach Thomas did not get a, a knock on his door on Saturday, and it looked like it looks like it could be a while for him to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Simon, you handicapped this. When is the earliest we can see Zach Thomas in the Hall of Fame? I mean, I think I've got some pretty strong feelings about this. I think it's 2023, frankly. I mean, next year you've mm-hmm. got Peyton Manning, you've got Charles Woodson, um, you've got uh, Calvin Johnson. Uh, the following year you've got Demarcus, uh, Jared Allen as well next year. The following year you've got uh, Demarcus Ware. Uh, you've got, God, I mean, there's a Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden. There's a whole bunch of guys next year who um, potentially could, uh, oh, in two years' time. 2023, I think you're looking at probably, you've got Darrell Revis, Joe Thomas, uh, maybe Jari Evans, um, one other person who I can't think of. But the, I think there's a gap opening up. I thought it was interesting reading Peter King this morning saying that um, he picked four guys who he thought, uh, had very favourable chances over the next few years, which Zach was number one. He said there was a lot of love in the room for Zach, um, and certainly very strong testimonies from from Ray Lewis and from and from Brian Erlacher. I, I think it's interesting. I didn't expect him to get in this time. I just thought the class was was too strong, actually. Mm. Um, uh, and people, you know, look, Dolphins fans have got really irate about it because they do because they're Dolphins fans. Um, mm. Bears fans would be really irate if it was Erlacher. 
Baltimore fans would be really irate if that that's what happens. It's also you if know, you read Twitter, it's very easy to get irate. Of course, I mean, of course, that's what Twitter is. But, that, that, that's how I started getting irate because I started reading all of these uh, beat writers from these other cities, basically trashing Zach Thomas. But I don't think you can. First of all, I don't think you can compare statistics. You can't compare Erlacher's being in the Hall of Fame as a detriment to Zach Thomas. Erlacher's class. What you have to do is compare classes. You have to compare the Hall of Fame class that Erlacher went in, and to compare the Hall of Fame class that Zach Thomas went in. That's how you compare. And I, I do think it's very unfair that people look at statistics. It's like people going, oh, Edrian James shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Edrian. Yeah, these are people I don't think you've watched and understood how Edrian James played, what, how important Edrian James was to that Indianapolis Colts team. And people are saying, oh, you know, he only averaged 4.2 yards a carry and he only had three great seasons. Well, that's not true, actually. I mean, A, Edrian James delivered in massive moments consistently over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. B, he was incredibly reliable with the ball, didn't fumble. C, he was a good running back. D, he was essentially a modern-day Roger Craig in terms of his ability with the ball in his hands as a receiver. But, you know, hugely importantly was that he was never out of the game. His pass protection he was as good as there was. You know, him and Ricky Waters at the time were probably the two best pass-protecting running backs in the NFL. And that's huge when you're you're looking at Peyton Manning throwing to, to Dallas Clark and to, to Marvin Harrison and to, to Reggie Wayne. Um, but Edron James so, does not deserve to go to the Hall of Fame above Zach Thomas. I, I, would not, I would not buy that one bit, one cent, one day, one hour, one minute. I, there's I'm no way. Sure. I, Zach, Thomas, Zach Thomas absolutely deserves to be in there above Edron James. I think that what you have to pay attention to, and this is, you know, I've, I've got the emails from the communications department. What you have, Steve Atwater, he's been on the hall. He's been a Hall of Fame finalist three times. Okay, Isaac mm-hmm. Bruce has been a Hall of Fame finalist four times. Steve Hutchinson has been a Hall of Fame finalist three times, and Edron James has been a Hall of Fame finalist four times. There's sort of a waiting list happening here. Yes. Okay. Yes. Troy Polamalu was the guy that was going to get him right away, right? And and nobody was going to argue with that. But there's a waiting list, and it's actually something to be encouraged about with Zach Thomas because this was the first time he was a Hall of Fame finalist, right, Zach Thomas. So he's, he's going to have to be a finalist probably one or two more times before he gets in. And, and that's why I think that it's not going to happen next year. He might be a finalist again next year, and there is love for him in the, uh, in the room. But it's not going to be next year, but I would bet you, I would bet you money that the year after next, he actually makes it. Mm. I'll take that bet. That list is monumental for, for 2022. Mm. I mean, if I mean, it's not, I can, I can imagine it. Okay. I'd, the next, that year or the year after, I think it's going to yeah, be 2022 the, or 2023. I think 2023 is almost certainly he gets in. I think 2022 is actually, I mean, 2022, you're looking at DeMarcus Ware, who's getting in. Devin Hester, mm. the greatest return man of all time, is getting in. Steve Smith is probably getting in. Robert Mathis is probably getting in. Gets in automatically. Oh, I do. I, I think he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, Vince Wilford. special teams. Since when do they respect special teams that much in the Hall of Fame? I mean, he's the greatest return man of all time. Yeah, and and how long did it take like the greatest punter to finally get? Him yeah, all but time? the argue, the argument about Ray Guy is pretty. You know that. I'm not sure the argument about Ray Guy necessarily stacks up. I think the interesting one would be somebody like Shane Leckler, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think that I don't, I think Hester will get in. But even if he doesn't look where Hester, Steve Smith, but Robert as Mathis, a first time, Andre Johnson, Andre Johnson, Vince Wilfork, Anquan Boldin. I mean, that's a pretty, 
strong cast list just off the top of my head. I think you know? some of those guys are – I mean, we're talking about guys that are probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. I just – where we have a disagreement is you think that they skip the line in front of everybody. And I don't think they do. I don't think that they're, they're, they're that kind of player. The, some of these guys are that kind of player. I think, I think some of them are going to have to wait in line. And that's exactly what Zach Thomas is doing right now. He's waiting. But then I think if you're, if you're a Cowboys fan for DeMarcus Ware or you're a, you know, a Carolina fan, you would make exactly the same case that we're making about Zach Thomas. It's such, a, it's such an incendiary. It's such a, um, it's such a, it's like films or comedy or those sorts of things. What you like is different to what I like because that's just the way that we're five, you know, I think five all pros is not, is not subjective. Okay. Five Ooh. all pros is not fan glasses. Okay. That's, so that's an objective. That's an objective view of how valuable you were, you were viewed by the NFL at the time that you played. So what's Alan so Fanica's excuse then? A Super Bowl champion, nine pro bowls, uh, eight all pros and an NFL all decade team. He's not in the hall of fame. What's the, well, the subject? He, he will be soon. He will be yeah, soon but, enough. But you can't. You can't make the case of what with with. He wasn't facing what? Alan Fanica, was he? What do you mean? Fanica was in. He wasn't. Fanica was yeah. in that well, class. Was he a finalist? We have a yes. listener. We have a listener, Sean Mawiney, and he broke this down. There's four guys that have five All Pros and were not in the Hall of Fame. One of them got in, which is Steve Hutchinson. The other three are mm-hmm. Zach Thomas, Alan Fanica, and Patrick Willis. So. And all of them are going to be in. Mm-hmm. There's, there's way more than there's way more than that. There's way more than I sent you a long message yesterday with loads of names of players. Who, yeah, but, the, but you had, had a lot of guys that were not pros. Hall of Fame eligible. Yeah, but, and the question but, was yeah, seven still, Pro Bowls. This question is five first team All Pros. Who has five first team All Pros and not in the Hall of Fame? And then the list is only four guys. I have the list right in front of me, and it's those four guys: Zach Thomas, Alan Fanica, Steve Hutchinson, Patrick Willis. Steve Hutchinson got and they're all going to be in. Yeah, they're all going to be in the Pro Bowl, or and sorry, in the Hall of Fame. And that's only you know Hall of Fame eligible guys. If you know we expand it to overall, you know the list is obviously going to grow. But those are you know like Tom Brady's and those guys that are coming up again. So. Again, I think this is about this is about whether if there's Troy Polamalu's out there, you know, there's first year eligibility, first year being a finalist, he's right in. Okay. And then there are other guys, and I think there's a line. Zach Thomas is, is clearly among the other guys. That's a, that's a line. He has enough support in the room. He's in line. This is the first year that he was a finalist. Okay, last he year, would, what was he? He'll he was a semi, semi-finalist. He'll definitely get in. Mm-hmm. And, and those, the guys, you know, Fanica's going to be in. You know, he's in line. <laughs> um, and I um, think that that's the end. That, Edron James, what we talked about, what we're debating, whether Edron should go in. He's been a finalist four times, and he's been eligible for six years. Alf, like, your list is wrong, by the way. Jim Tyra, who was a left tackle for the Chiefs for many years, was a six-time starter, all-pro starter. Was this, in the, was this the Pekemsey Chiefs? Was this 1929? No, this was, uh, this was his career finished in 1974, so... <laughs> I mean, and, but, and it says, and he has five all pro. No, he has, he has six. He has six first team all pro selections? Six first team all pro selections. The left tackle of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is not in the Hall of Fame. Okay. I don't know. Must be his gambling habit. I'm looking at the list mm-hmm. that this guy sent me, and it's extensive. So, well, I'll take well, your word for it. I mean, I'm looking at profootballreference.com's list of the most players. 
most first-team All-Pro selections career leaders, of which Jerry Rice and Jim Otto are the two top guys with 10 each. Wow. But the first player who is not in the Hall of Fame is, well, Joe Thomas, but he's not eligible. And the next man is Jim Tyra, left tackle of the Kansas City Chiefs, who had a career from 61 to 74. I'll give you one. There's a, if you look, look at this list deep enough, you'll find snubs everywhere. I was shocked that Hutchinson was actually snubbed before because he, he seemed like a, twice. a first. Yeah, he was actually snubbed twice. Yeah, he seemed like a, a first-team all-pro to me. I mean, first-team Hall of Famer to me. Third, this is his third year eligible and uh, third year in the, as a finalist. But I look at this list. Steve Wisniewski, do you remember him? He has eight Ooh. Pro Bowls. He has two first-team All-Pros. But I remember his career. He's one of the best guards I've ever seen play. And, and his boy just won a Super Bowl last night. <laughs> oh, yeah, he did. And he's been essentially just passed over. He doesn't even make finals. <laughs> That's well, Pat, Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis didn't even make the – I mean, Patrick Willis didn't even make the cut down to the final, what, 16? I think this was his Wait, first he... year, though, right? He was, yeah. was his first year being yeah. eligible. So even so, though, I think he gets a shot next year. I think you know, I, I would say, I would hope so. Yeah, seven Pro Bowls. You know, five. First How long was his career? Uh, he played um, seven years. Yeah, I, th- I think he was that, a that's, Pro Bowler. that's why he didn't get first. He was a Pro. That's Bowler. why he's, he didn't go high in his first. Eligible. Actually, he was eight years. He has eight years of yeah. service. He has yeah, I'm seven seeing it Pro now. Bowls it's eight years. in eight years. Yeah. Um, eight, I think, I think that's probably why he didn't, he didn't get, um, he didn't get further along in the first year of being eligible. I quite honestly, I think that, uh, Zach Thomas deserves pro bowl or not. I keep saying pro bowl. Uh, he deserves the hall of fame even more than Jason Taylor did. Um, because the, I think that Zach Thomas elevated an entire defense around him. Whereas Jason Taylor was a, an excellent pass rusher, but he also had some down years. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that Zach Thomas, he was the study guy, and he was he was somehow the smartest the smartest you know. He didn't he never really sounded like he's an egghead, but you know he yeah. was a smart guy. He was a study guy. He would get the offensive tendencies down. He would study, you know, study so much tape that he knew he had in his notebook things that this guy was calling as an assistant ten years ago. And, you know, listen to Channing Crowder talk about it. He would just tell him exactly where to go. And he'd somehow, and not why, but like just tell him where to go and he'd make the play. And yeah. so I think a lot of other people on the team made plays because of Zach Thomas. And, yeah. and he made the defense good. And for most of their careers together, Zach Thomas was always considered the better player. It was toward the end of, the career, of their careers, like the last mm-hmm. four years, where Jason Taylor was clearly the better player because Zach was in the decline. But mm-hmm. yeah, I the interesting. Agree. Interesting thing about Patrick Willis is that he only ever played 112 games, which would be incredibly low for mm-hmm. Hall of Famer. Apparently, the average Hall of Famer played 160 games. The average modern day Hall of Famer played 185. Willis is essentially mm-hmm. four and a half seasons short of what a Hall of Famer should, in inverted commas, played. And in fact, there's only two players in the Hall of Fame who played in fewer games than Willis has, Gail Sayers and Kellen Winslow, everybody else in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Lynn, Lynn Swan only – Lynn Swan's in, right? Um, yeah, Lynn Swan is in, yes. Yeah, he only played 116. I, I know okay. that. he was. He's like a typical example of, yeah. um, of you know, not playing very many games. And I think, I think that's nail on the head as for why Willis is – he's going to wait in line. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, well, uh, at least it's not, at least we're not debating Steve Tasker. You know, that Buffalo Bills fans are like all over the internet saying that Steve, Steve Tasker should be <laughs> the first, uh, you know, specialist in the Hall of Fame over Devin Hester. I was seeing that well, argument. It's going to be interesting, for example, with Matthew Slater. <laughs> I was just going to bring his name up. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, who's going to bring hey, up Matthew Slater? Matthew Slater really, <laughs> really has to be good to make all pro a year where he only played three games. Okay? Yes. That's, so, um, yeah, that guy has to be spectacular. <laughs> you know Oof. you know what's interesting? Very lonely on these lists uh, for offensive linemen that are being snubbed. And I mentioned Steve Wisniewski. But Richmond Webb and Lomas Brown, have identical careers and they're just sitting there languishing <laughs> they don't even make the, semi-finalists the whole are very good yes that's where they belong those two guys in my opinion i think richmond webb was hurt by not being associated with a great running game he was just associated with dan marino protecting his blind side mm-hmm. yeah. steve Tas- steve tasker was a seven time first team all pro uh for I have him here as seven-time Pro Bowler, but it says zero AP ones. It says here. Uh, well, it says here. Uh, the dude was a seventh-time first-team All-Pro according to Pro Football Weekly. Hmm, that's strange. And he's probably the best. I mean, he probably is the best special teamer of all time. Peter hmm. King is a massive Steve Tasker fan in terms of the Hall of Fame. And, yeah. Anyway, well, Bill's we can debate this until the end of time. Yes. I I want to go to bed. Yes, that's it for season two of Three Yards Per Carry. We will take a week off, so you won't get us next week. But then you will, and it will be that great offseason we promised you. But that's it. There is no more. We will talk to you guys in two weeks. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Carry. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.